as you read the New Testament, just realize that the church has always been a mess mm -hmm. and family is always a mess and church is a family, so it's always a mess. Church isn't God and leaders aren't God. God is good and church and leaders are in process and oftentimes in amongst the sheep and the shepherd are lots of wool. Yeah, and if you go into a church and you see the Bible being taught and people's lives actually changing because they're working on following Jesus and healing and ministering to others in the process, that's a healthy church. Like you said, we're a mess. Individually, we're a mess. We walk in through the church doors. That doesn't mean all of a sudden a switch goes off and we're no longer a mess. It means we bring our mess in, but that we bring it to the Lord where He can help heal us. And if you go into a church and you see that happening, the healing is taking place, that's a great place to be. Well, howdy, y'all. This is the Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Our story is not perfect. Our marriage is not perfect, but thankfully, our God is perfect. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Marriage Podcast. We are going to be talking about a topic that sadly many can relate to. Um, we as Christians have a relationship with Jesus, but we also are asked to have a relationship with His community called the church, his family called the church. And a lot of us may have church hurt that keeps us from going to church or causes anxiety or fears of what that can look like. So for me, as a pastor's daughter, I grew up in the church from birth and my dad pastored for over 44 years. He's currently enjoying a relationship face-to-face -face with Jesus um, in heaven. But during those years, there was a lot of things that happened um, that I had to really work through both in my younger years and in my adult years so that I wasn't bitter toward the church or afraid of being a healthy part of the church. For me, when I was young, there was a gal that had been a part of the church and I was really close friends with one of her daughters and she decided to come up with a lie about my dad and spoke that and convinced some of the people in the church about that. And it was completely untrue. Um, it divided my dad's church and it sent me questioning a lot of things because I lost that relationship with that girl all of a sudden that I had been close friends with. And all of a sudden, everything was awkward. I didn't understand. I was confused. I was probably in third or fourth grade. And it really didn't cause me to question God, but it caused me to question how do God's people act like this? Why would people act like this? So for me, then going on into ministry as a pastor's wife, more situations happened that caused church hurt. And I really had to continue to wrestle with the Lord. Am I acting like this toward people? Because I don't want to be participating in church hurt for others. So for Mark and I, we've had to work through those situations a lot. And we get a lot of people coming to us saying, I don't know if I can go back to church because in this situation, it was too painful. Um, these things happen. And so we've had to navigate that and help people learn to heal from their church hurt. Statistically, the best thing for your marriage is the church. Yeah. There's a sociologist named uh, Dr. Bradford Wilcox. I think he's at the University of Virginia. And you'll hear these statistics. Oh, Christian divorce rates are the same as non-Christian divorce rates. None of that is true. 
That's all part of the lie. Satan is a liar, the father of lies. And the lie he likes to tell is that Jesus, the Bible, and the people of God in the church make no difference whatsoever and prayer is a complete waste of time. Yeah. None of that is true. Um, all of that was based on some faulty research, just asking people, are you a Christian? Um, and, and you can profess something without practicing it. Absolutely. In the same way, the same number of people that have a gym membership are not the same people who are Actually exercising. attending yeah. a gym. <laughs> you, can have a, you can have a gym membership and not exercise. <laughs> you could be a Christian and not practicing the faith that you profess. Mm -hmm. And so Bradford Wilcox came along and with his data, and I think he's one of the leading researchers in the country right now on marriage and family do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Are you involved in a church? He asked some, not just professing questions, but some practicing questions. And what he found culminated in a book called Soft Patriarchs, New Men, a center that he does on marriage and parenting and fatherhood. And, uh, and he's a bit of a legend in this space. But just to summarize the data, um, the highest rates of divorce are two people who are practicing different religious convictions. So if you, if, you, if you have different religious convictions, eventually you're going to get divorced. And it makes sense because it's hard enough if you don't agree on the same authority, if you're not in the same community, and then you have kids, what the heck do you do with those kids? Because yeah. a house divided can't stand, Jesus says. The highest um, marital satisfaction and lowest divorce rates are Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, church-attending Christians. And what he makes the case is that the best marriages and the best husbands and fathers in particular are evangelical, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, church-attending Christian men. And the data is not skewed for him because he's not an evangelical. Mm -hmm. He's a Catholic, insofar as I understand. And so the data says that even his team isn't the best team to be on for marriage. And so he says the, the best thing you can do for your marriage is, number one, both be believers in Jesus. Number two, agree on the big theological issues, uh, like what the Bible said. The Bible is God's word. We are sinners. We need Jesus as our Savior. Number three, uh, practice your faith outside of church. So read your Bible, pray, and worship together as a married couple. Number four, put yourself in a church community surrounded by people who love the Lord or fill with the Spirit and help reinforce your values. Good friends, good models, good examples, good relationships for the husband, the wife, the couple, and the kids. And that puts a canopy of meaning and also some relational accountability around the marriage. And so his findings are, you want to lower divorce rates, you want to increase marital satisfaction, you want happier wives, get involved in a good church. Which makes total sense for those of us that are doing our best to practice those things. Well, and it's 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 encouraging to know that the facts actually validate the scriptures. Because if you're like, well, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying with my wife, we're worshiping God, we're going to church. And, and there's no fruit. You tell me it does nothing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does nothing? That's like, not helpful. That's super discouraging, <laughs> you know. Um, but to find, no, actually God's way is the best way. And statistically, God's way still works. It would make sense, therefore, that Satan would cause you to have a lot of pain or church hurt to keep you away from the place that is going to be best for you mm -hmm. and for your marriage. Yeah. And where the Bible says it's not good to be alone, that doesn't refer just to an individual that needs a marriage. That refers to the couple that needs the family of God. Mm -hmm. uh, Satan likes to isolate us. And when he does, then um, he can ultimately harm us. And so, you know, this issue of church hurt, I believe, firmly fits under the rubric of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. 
And um, some people think, gosh, why is the church hard? Why are people mean? Why would they say or do that? Why would I suffer that in the church? I thought these were God's people. They are God's people. They're not God. And they're hurting people. The church is full of hurting people. And if they don't heal, then they hurt other people with their hurt. And the church is like one big extended family. That's right. And every family has some degree of dysfunction. So you bring a whole bunch of families together. It's not like you're lessening the degree of dysfunction. And so in this, we want to talk a little bit about church hurt because odds are uh, some of you are not attending church. And the reason you're listening to the podcast is you're like, we want the information, but we don't want the complexities of the relationships. Some of you, one of you is involved in going to church. The other is not. So one is in, one is out. Some of you, you're both in a church, but skeptical, very skeptical, not getting involved, not taking a class, not... You're not diving in. You're not diving in. You, you Once in a while, you put your foot in the pool, but you're definitely not jumping off the diving board mm-hmm. all in. And for some of you, you've now got kids or you're looking at having kids and you're trying to figure out, do we go to church? What church do we go to? If so, how involved do we get and how deep of relationships do we form? Mm-hmm. And w- what I want to say is Revelation 12, 7 through 9 says that in heaven, before God created the world and hum- humanity on it, It says war erupted in heaven and Satan and demons, they were created to love and worship God. They betrayed God and they attacked God. They declared war on God and they tried to take over heaven. And so what that means is then Satan and demons come down to the earth. They're always attacking and trying to overtake and wreck everything that God is building. So everything God is building, Satan is breaking. Everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. So I'll give you some examples from the New Testament. And I'll say this too. So Satan attacked God's family in heaven. Satan attacked God's family with Adam and Eve on the earth. Jesus puts together a leadership team and Satan fills one of the 12 guys. I mean, there's only 12 guys. Good luck keeping a whole church straight if Jesus can't keep 12 guys straight. (laughs) I mean, you know, Jesus could have put himself and his guys in a 15-passenger van. And one of them was the devil. And so if it happened in heaven, if it happened in Eden, if it happened with Jesus' ministry, it's going to happen in your church. We need to expect it and prepare for war. Spiritual warfare is part of life as a Christian in the church. And all the books of the New Testament, for the most part, are written to churches. And they talk a lot about spiritual warfare just because it is a reality that finds itself in the church. So I'll give you some examples. God has real apostles. Satan has counterfeit apostles. The Bible talks about them. God has real prophets. Satan has false prophets. The Bible talks about them. God has real teachers. Satan has false teachers. God has real true doctrines. Satan has false untrue doctrines. Uh, We have genuine, real brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible talks about, quote unquote, false brothers. Also to false elders. God has real elders, real leaders. Satan has counterfeit false. All of that to say that just because you've experienced pain in the church, it may be a counterfeit that Satan is sent in just like he sent Judas in to Jesus' leadership team to cause pain and harm. And there would have been people in Jesus' day who were very hurt by Judas and the decisions that he made. And as a result, they would say, you know, I I can't go back to Jesus' ministry uh, because I was really hurt by it. No, you were hurt by the demonic counterfeit that was sent in to cause harm and hurt to isolate you so that you would not go back to the place that could heal you. 
He was a misrepresentation of Christ, not a representation of Christ. And that happens all the time in the church. And I'm not saying that everyone's demonic, but I am saying that some are. Mm -hmm. And that's where Acts 20 says they will rise among you. So I don't know if you remember when we were getting ready to plant our first church, we were young, in our 20s. I'm a new Christian. We had somebody in the church that you had real reservations about. You've got a real strong gift of discernment. Um, they were an older leader. I had some concerns, but I wasn't sure. Am I just being young, insecure? Am I misjudging someone? As a Christian, you feel like I should give people the benefit of the doubt in the church. And if they're older or know the Lord or know some verses, maybe I should, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. But I had questions. You had suspicions. I went to bed one night and I had a prophetic dream. I didn't even know that these things still existed. We didn't come from a Pentecostal or charismatic background. We're now all in. Um, but um, I had a dream that it was the opening night of our first church and you forgot something and I went back to the lobby to pick it up for you. It was a little tiny church plant meeting at night. And this person walked in and they revealed their whole plot to take over the church. They were counterfeit, they were false, all of that. And it was all demonic and evil. And I remember seeing what they were wearing and hearing what they were saying in my dream. And in my dream then, God spoke to me two verses, uh, 1 Peter 5, uh, shepherd the flock that I have given you, and then Acts chapter 20, men will rise from your own number, distort the truth and lead many astray, so be on guard. Mm -hmm. And the context of Acts 20 is an elders meeting. Paul started the church in Ephesus, led it, and was leaving. He was jumping on a boat and leaving town. So he convenes an elder meeting, and what he tells him is, one of you is like Judas. Goodbye. That'd be the most awkward elder meeting. <laughs> <laughs> one of you is, you're, you're a double agent. Which is hard to believe, because in the church, we're not told we can think that about anyone, let alone leaders. That verse was super eye-opening to me, even though I grew up in the church, knowing that all of us are susceptible to being led astray and becoming divisive in a church, that's why we're told to be on guard because the enemy wants to use us to be a bad testimony. And sometimes testimony. Satan will even get somebody into leadership on staff that's or right. on the board. That's right. And so God woke me up and I told you, I said, babe, I think God just showed me what's gonna happen. And then I told a few of our close friends at the time, opening night of our first church plant, it happened. It happened. You set the refreshments up. We're in our 20s. We don't even have kids yet. <laughs> I, I had no business being a senior pastor. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was sitting with you in the seat, and you said, oh, I forgot my Bible in the forest. So I went to get it. And as I turned around, I was standing in the exact same place I was in my dream. This person walked in wearing the exact same shorts, sandals, leather-covered Bible, homemade cross around their neck. Literally, I saw it in my dream. They word for word said everything they said in my dream. And I was just in shock because I now I got to go hand you the Bible and I got to go up and preach and launch the church. And I, I said, you know, you need to leave. You're, you're kick, I kicked get him out. out. Yeah. I kicked him out because he was a wolf. And it makes sense if you got a lot of sheep, you're going to get some wolves. Absolutely. And so I kicked him out and I didn't know. I got a call from another pastor later and they said, uh, do you still have so-and-so in your church? I said, no, no, I kicked him out. They said, oh, that's good. He got kicked out of multiple churches and his last denomination. He goes into young churches with church plants and he guts them, mm. destroys the senior pastor, the young guy, takes it over and shipwrecks the church. He's a church wrecker. He's so a wolf. So demonic. Completely demonic. But actually he was an ordained pastor. Mm -hmm. But so was Judas. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, Satan was an angel. You talk about having a real resume. And so this issue of church hurt it's something that every Christian is going to experience to some degree. Yeah. 
I agree. So for those that are thinking of bailing on church or they've left their church or they will never go back to their church, as a pastor's daughter who suffered a ton of church hurt and now a pastor's wife who suffers a ton of church hurt, and I think the pastor's wife suffers more church hurt than anyone Mm -hmm. because she knows everything that's going on and she can't say or do anything. So she just has to absorb it. The pastor's wife in the ministry is often like the airbag that deploys in the head-on collision. She feels all of that intensity. I always talk about it being on the front lines of war. You get to see all the good and all the bad that's going on, and you have to process it all together because you know God's in it, but you're not always sure what, what it's supposed to look like. Well, and it is a spiritual war, and a ministry family, we're the only soldiers that take our children to the front lines of the battle. That's right. I've never seen Army, Marine Corps, Navy say, all right, kids, wife, grab your gun. We're going to war. Mm -hmm. We are an army that takes our wives and kids to war. And we need to be prepared and we need to prepare them. What negative things happen to a family that because of church hurt, maybe even has some fears? I'm going to get hurt. It's going to happen again. What would you say to them? Yes, (laughs) it is probably going to happen again. And yes, those are real hurts and real fears, but we cannot let those rule our life. That's the whole reason that just like Jesus came to forgive people, to guide people, he sent the Holy Spirit to direct us and give us discernment. That's the purpose of those tools. And we need to pick those up and utilize those as we walk through the church and not be naive to think that everyone in the church, just because they're in the church building, is safe or godly to the highest extent. It's sad to say that, but that's anywhere we go. And we want to have the church be safe and a place where people can heal. And that's our desire being in ministry. And that's why we have to do things to protect our people as shepherds of our church. And we work hard to do that. And we ask the Lord constantly to reveal that to us so that we can guard and protect the people that God entrusts to us. And so people that have had church hurt need to know that, you know, your pastor is supposed to be working toward that as a shepherd. And if you have any sense that he's not, or if you have church hurt that causes you from going to church, or you haven't forgiven your past situation and you don't even care about church anymore, I would encourage you to try and work that through because not going to church is not the answer. That's Satan's answer, but that's not the Lord's answer. And the whole New Testament is written to churches that have problems. That's right. There's a naivety. So be like, why couldn't we be like the early church? Why couldn't <laughs> we just sit around and praise the Lord and share our <laughs> possessions and do potlucks like they did in the olden days? You read the New Testament. It's the early church. Corinth. It's a mess. It, it is a hot mess. <laughs> I mean, so Corinth. 1 Corinthians is actually not 1 Corinthians because 1 Corinthians was a previous letter that we don't have. They wrote a bunch of questions to Paul. Questions like, can we get drunk at communion? And is it okay if this one guy sleeps with his mother-in-law? It's a Jerry Springer episode, you know, is what it is. Paul writes the first letter. He's so frustrated, it disappears, doesn't make the Bible. It wasn't even inspired. So in 1 Corinthians, he says, in my former letter, you're like, where is that? (laughs) The dude was so- That was his processing letter. Yeah, that was his processing letter from our previous (laughs) podcast. He's just like, you guys. I mean, just, you know. Um, Galatians, they're totally legalistic, biting and devouring one another. And they're being ruled by something called the circumcision party, which- Mm, Legalism. That sounds like the weirdest party of all time. (laughs) 
Like if you're going to pick a hill to die on, that's a weird one, you know? But literally that church, the guys are going around asking the other guys, have you been circumcised? Prove it. Wow. I mean, you talk about like a weird, greet your neighbor, Mm. you know? (laughs) So, I mean, there's all kinds of problems. The New Testament is written because churches are a mess, And we read them and we think, oh, if we could just have a church like that, you do. Some churches are like Galatia. They're super legalistic, nitpicky, judgmental, self-righteous. It's like an eternal trip to the dentist. Others are like Corinth. Mm -hmm. They're just drunken, perverted nut jobs who Jesus does love, uh, but they got a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And so as you read the New Testament, just realize that the church has always been a mess. Mm -hmm. And family is always a mess and church is a family. So it's always a mess. Church isn't God and leaders aren't God. God is good and church and leaders are in process. And oftentimes in amongst the sheep and the shepherd are lots of wolves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you go into a church and you see the Bible being taught and people's lives actually changing because they're working on following Jesus and healing and ministering to others in the process, that's a healthy church. That's a place you want to be because we, like you said, we're a mess. Individually, we're a mess. We walk in through the church doors. That doesn't mean all of a sudden a switch goes off and we're no longer a mess. It means we bring our mess in, but that we bring it to the Lord where He can help heal us. And if you go into a church and you see that happening, the healing is taking place, that's a great place to be. Well, and what I've seen with people that have church hurt, they come into a church and they want to have a reason to never come back. Mm-hmm. And so they come in with a critical attitude, uh, an offended disposition. So as soon as it's like, we're going to collect the offering. Yeah, at my last church, the pastor was greedy, stole all the money. You guys are no different. I'm out of here. And that just shows based upon our previous podcast, they've not forgiven. Right. And they're keeping a record of wrong and they're interpreting everything that happens presently in light of past pain. So it's like, well, you know, we're going to have a a vote for a new pastor. Oh, my last church. Yeah, we had a vote for a pastor and they voted in the wrong guy and he wrecked the whole family. And so I'll never be back. Whatever pain you have, you can use it as the lens to interpret all future data and then also to justify really ungodly and sometimes self-righteous behavior. Like these people have a problem, not me, so I need to go. Yeah. And the truth is not only did they bring their pains and problems into the church, so did you. Um, The only person who comes to church and doesn't bring their problems is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you know, we're, we're his problem. And and what if you've got one of those dispositions, you come in and you're automatically just looking for what is wrong mm-hmm. or looking to be offended. I mean, I've heard this for 25 years. I went there and nobody said, hi, you guys are unloving. You don't care about people. You're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm never coming back. <laughs> it's like, or maybe they didn't give you a hug because of your disposition. <laughs> You weren't, you weren't really most huggable in high school. Like you came in like a porcupine and, and left lonely. Yeah. And so, you know, the church hurt issue is very real, but Satan does use it to divide the body of Christ, to cause people to trash talk churches, to speak ill of churches. We get this all the time. If somebody comes in on their first Sunday, they're like, I love you. You're not like my last church. My last church was horrible. And the pastor was a son of a mother and off we go. I'm like, well, just give it 15 or 20 minutes and I'll be next in the mm-hmm. in the scope for the shot. Yeah, we need to encourage those people to heal up from what happened so that they can actually be 
a vital part of whatever church experience is next. So what would you recommend as we kind of land the plane for those that have some church hurt? What are some practical things they need to do to heal up and move forward? I would say if you have a critical spirit, you need to look at that first and not just look at what you think happened to you. You may have some real hurt that happened, but you may have a perspective that's actually not based on truth because you don't have all the facts. One side of the story seems right until the other side is heard. And so I would really go to the Lord and ask the Lord to show you where you have maybe caused, sinned or caused some issues that um, encourage your church hurt even more. You bring us something super important, and that is we can rush to a conclusion where we don't have truthful information. Mm -hmm. And part of the demonic strategy is a lie. So even, you know, so back to that story that you told when you were a little girl, uh, your friend's mom said something about your dad the rest of the story is, so they left and a bunch of people left the church and yeah, it was very hurtful for you, divided the church. Church was a small, basically big extended family. Years later, that woman came back and to kind of put a bow on the story, what happened? Yeah, 20 years later, she came back and apologized and said what she said was untrue and she shouldn't have said it. And my dad had already forgiven her, which is awesome. But at that point, she'd done so much damage and you know, he appreciated the apology, but it's it's like, well, why did you do that? You know, why would you want to divide a church? And I think in the moment, she just really didn't understand the consequences of what she was doing. And so, I mean, I'm glad she apologized, but... But how much easier is it now to get misinformation in the age of social media and technology? Absolutely. And she just drew a conclusion. It wasn't even misinformation necessarily. She just drew a conclusion on her own because of whatever her own past hurts were. So yeah, I would encourage people to to look at what the root is of your hurt and why why you're actually saying that you're hurt by the church. Is it something from your past and you've added on another church hurt? Or is it something that actually happened to you and you need to actually go to the person and say, you know, I was wounded by this. Can we talk about this? Um, you're supposed to go to the person and try and resolve things rather than march out in anger and get bitter. Well, and the lie is if I go to church, I'm going to get hurt. And if I don't go, then I won't get hurt. And the truth is, if you don't go, you just get hurt in a different way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the demonic deception. Your marriage is hurt. Your personal well-being is hurt. Your family is hurt. Your children are hurt by not being with God's people. Mm. And so, you know, what we have found is some of the greatest pain that we've endured as a ministry family comes from God's people. And the greatest healing that we've experienced is with God's people. Yes. And we choose God's people. And so we love you. Let me just conclude with this. Um, we're glad to do the podcast. We want to love and serve you. We also pastor a local church that we planted as a family. Mm -hmm. And we believe that in addition to information, you need relationships. And you need relationships with healthy people who can help you grow in the fullness of Christ. And when you walk into a church, you know, don't assume that everybody's Jesus and don't assume that everybody's Judas, but be discerning and find those who are walking with Jesus and be wary of those who are walking like Judas. And ask the Lord to give you a new view of church. Ask Him to kind of cleanse things and give you a fresh start. And don't go in with a predetermined idea of what it's going to look like or not look like. And just be willing to try it and trust the Lord with where He wants to take you. And uh, the church is Jesus' bride. Amen. And uh, I love you with all my heart. You're my favorite person. And if people talked about you the way they talk about the mm. church, it would really break my heart. Yeah. 
And so as we're talking about marriage, let's just treat Jesus' bride with the same dignity and honor that we'd want for our own.